Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audiblechild.com slash outnowpodcast. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your Android, iPhone, Kindle, or MP3 player. This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're doing a 2016 holiday hodgepodge. Grab your passengers and get going. Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe! Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah! <laughs> Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We cover some various movie topics, jump into a mostly spoiler-free review, then jump back to other film movie topics. This is episode 268, 268. We made it, 268, and I think only just like five more for the new year. And actually, just one more. Yeah, yes, one more, yeah. <laughs> The next one, the next one will be in the new year. Like this is the last. This is the last one of the year. This is the last episode of two hundred twenty sixteen. So there you have it. Uh, finally, <laughs> yeah, finally, we reached yeah. it. Two sixty eight. That, that famous number. Yeah, that's that's a good sign. Anyway, and this week is uh, the two thousand sixteen holiday hodgepodge. Is what I've titled this episode. Uh, that's correct. Yeah, been a variety of movies. Too much that to have, handle. Yeah, too much to handle. There's been a variety of movies yeah. that opened um, in limited and wide release. Um, we will have a kind of a longer review of Passengers, um, but there are other, there's several other movies that uh, we're all, you know, we can all talk about. So that's what we're going to do. And joining us to talk about all of these movies, we have from ComingSoon.net. He has some big decisions to make while shooting through space. It's Silas Lesnick. Hey there, thanks for having me. Yeah, glad to have you here. Got uh, first, another another first time, another first timer on the on the podcast here. So uh, yeah, Silas, it's a uh, you're you're you've been on the list of people I want to get on this podcast at some point because I enjoy uh, talking with you about movies every time I uh, come across you at screenings and what have you and so it's uh yeah it's good to have you on the podcast finally oh so you guys are fraternizing during the screenings huh I don't know if I'd phrase it that way I think we're just having a good conversation <laughs> but yes <laughs> um all right so let's uh Anyhow. let's get some show note stuff real quick uh first up uh we have a new commentary up uh every month we do a new commentary for a movie because you listeners love the commentary tracks that we do so this month in honor of a new star wars movie coming out and to follow up our star wars commentaries from last year we have episode two attack of the clones a brand new commentary that myself and friends of the show scott mendelson brandon peters and david yet all joined in on we talked for all two hours and 22 minutes about that film so be, be sure to listen to that one because it, it, the movie only becomes more fun once you listen to our commentary track for episode two uh, so that's out there now uh, let's see what else iTunes and reason ratings, it's good to get those. Helps out our show, helps other people find our show. If you want to log on to iTunes, search for Out Now with Aaron and Abe, you can give us a star rating, and you can even uh, string together some words to form some kind of review. It'd be much appreciated. I think that'd be called a, a sentence. Yeah, that'd be, yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. A string of words, right? Yeah. <laughs> string of words, yeah. We don't just call them SOWs? <laughs> that's a statement of work. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> uh, good to get more reviews. Pop us up on the old iTunes charts. Um, what else? Um... Our top 10 show. We have our top 10 show, the top 10 films of 2016. Coming soon. Uh, that will be coming soon. It won't be next week in the new year, but the second week of the new year to make sure Abe has time to catch up on some of the films that you know need to spread more towards his area because we like to be as uh, encompassing as possible. And uh, we'll likely have some familiar guests on for that one. Uh, but yeah, that should be a lot. That's always a fun show to do, Accurate. the top 10 show. So uh, yeah. All right. <clears throat> Let's, uh, it's less pressure than the summer gamble. It, yeah, the summer gamble. That's the... That's the episode. That's, so, that's, yeah. that's a pressure cooker. Yeah. <laughs> that's a pressure cooker. That's what I, yeah, that's what I call it. Um, 
Okay. Um, we're gonna we're gonna jump straight into out now quickies. Yep. Each weekend out now we have one movie that we talk about. We each week one movie we talk about. I don't know quickies. I spent I spent way through it. That was that was okay. I felt bad about the first attempt, and then I just sped. I went even faster on the second one. I noticed. I guarantee if you slow it down, though, you'll hear every single. You can hear every word. TM. But basically, we're gonna go over other movies that we talked about because there's a lot of movies right. that we've that we've gone over. So uh, let's uh, let's start let's start with Silas since you're new to the show. Silas, what uh, what other movies have you seen recently that you want to bring up here? Oh, the one I, I make maybe my favorite movie of the year is uh, is Patterson, uh, Jim Jarmusch's new film. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, just really blew me away and and uh, spoke to me on a. Uh, on a lot of levels, um, I was really fond of that one. I have seen Patterson. I have lots of praise for Patterson, and I honestly don't want to speak much more about it because I don't want to kind of ruin the kind of a, the kind of praise that I have for Patterson. But I am a big fan of the movie. Nice. Are you guys both big fans of uh, Kylo Ren? Adam Driver. Adam, yeah, he's he's great in the movie. Yeah, Adam Driver. Yeah, he's, he's think... pretty good. Yeah. I think he's great in it, and uh, I love. I'm a big Jim Jarmusch fan, uh, fan and. Yes. It's a film that uh, is not only great in and of itself, but it, it reflects back on his whole filmography, and, and you see elements of things being set up in previous films. It, it's it's really neat. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I I am also a big so, Jim Jarmusch fan, and this I just certainly I, I saw this with uh, with my lovely girlfriend Anna, and we both very much responded to it. It has a very very great sense of Jarmusch's style, and like you said, Silas, yeah, it really does kind of reflect on his other work, but also gives you just so much. In with typically Jarmusch so little because it's a very kind of minimalist film yet it has it expresses a lot through just the the actions of this character and how he interacts with the people around him. It's uh, very good. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad to hear that because uh, I've been hearing a lot of praise about it too. And uh, I like Jim Jarmusch, although I would say that his movies are uh, like what you guys have said. It's it's kind of contemplative at times. So and there's, it certainly might not be for everybody. It's there's an acquired taste to how his films play out for some. I, I would. I don't think that's yeah. if that's you, not if that's not a watched, surprise. Uh, that's not a surprise to me. <laughs> that's not yeah. not everybody is enamored by Jim Jarmusch. Right. So if you watch uh, what they what we do in the shadows and then watch uh, what's his vampire movie? Only lovers left alive. Only lovers left alive. You might you you'll definitely see that one is uh, more lively than the other. I I mean. Only Lovers is. I like. I mo- it's moderately It's moderately like paced, but I would say that's probably one of his more commercial movies, as far as like gen- genuine entertainment that comes from it. that. <laughs> that and Ghost Dog, which is you know one of my favorite movies ever, I think. Or they got Ghost Dog. And I guess like the Samurai. Like, yeah. One's more lively than the other, but the other is more undeadly. Uh huh. There, there you go. That is true. That's a DVD box quote. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I guess we should kind of round robin it since we all have movies that we've seen in addition to uh, sure yeah let's do that passengers. so Abe how would you go next what uh, what have you seen the first one that I caught up when I got back was La La Land from uh, director Damien Chazelle which is a cool name to say uh, I think that there's a lot of a lot of past work that you might have seen uh, that it draws upon but at the same time I think the execution of it is pretty pretty good it's, it's very well done and I certainly enjoyed the 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 love of it. And also what happens in relationships when things don't go so well. So I did enjoy that aspect. But as far as like the singing and dancing goes, it's really neat to see. But uh, I think Hell Caesar does a really good job of, of things like that as well, even though it might not have been as commercially successful. 
But that being said, though, I would definitely recommend people go see La La Land. It has the the music that was written by him and uh, I forget the other Justin Hurwitz uh, is the composer. Yes, yeah, yeah. thank you. Um, it, it's been in my mind ever since I've seen it. So I've listened to the soundtrack on Spotify, and uh, I, I really enjoy the soundtrack. But there's so many things I want to talk about. We might have to go into like an out now night. I know that Aaron and uh, his lovely girlfriend Anna spoke about it uh in depth in a review but uh, i would love i haven't listened to it yet because if we do a nights it'd be it'd be something that uh, I, w- I would want as fresh conversation so yeah, yeah, we'll think might, about that i i know you um i did want to have to talk more about the the about about la la land with you and with anna um say and kind of have a more spoilery discussion about the specifically the ending and some other yeah. elements of it to, to kind of go more in depth but uh, glad you finally got, were able to catch up with it um yeah, yeah. it was good yeah um, I don't need to go over my continued praise of La La Land, but I do think it's, it's quite good. Uh, Silas, I assume you saw La La Land. As well. Oh, I, I, I love La La Land. I, it, it's one of those rare movies that everyone was saying how good it was, and and when that happens, I tend to go in with a very cynical, like ready to tear it down attitude, and I couldn't. I, I really, really loved it. It, it, it sort of is like feel good Mulholland Drive. That's a that, that is that's one of the better takes I've heard on La La Land in, in one sentence. That's a, that's pretty good. I shall go next. I um, will bring this one up just so I can get it out of my system. Uh, I saw Assassin's Creed, uh, which all I right. Did, I did not I did not speak of on last week's podcast. Um, no, you didn't. Having seen it at that point because of embargo stuff. But now that the uh, we can talk about Assassin's Creed more. That's a movie that um, myself and Anna we saw, and still, um, still not a, a winning video game genre movie, huh? It, you know, it's not surprising, and I didn't go in there with high hopes because I've I've given up on trying to have hopes for uh, video game movies at this point. But yeah, this it's pretty terrible. I <laughs> oh wow, I, terrible! It's no, it's a terrible movie. It's 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 not like nah, it's wow. Not, it's no, it's a terrible film. It. it Justin Kurtzel, the, who directed um, Michael Fassbender and Marion Cotillard, who star in this movie in Macbeth, like the visual, like the visuals of Macbeth, that was you know a highlight of of that particular take on Macbeth. And, yeah, you know, I thought, okay, well, that's Michael Fassbender's producing this movie, and he brought along his direct, like you know, director he worked with to make this thing work. And just watching it, it's like, well. <laughs> Like with Warcraft, I could see the ambition and like the effort there. I just did, I still didn't right, love, yeah. think the movie was great, but I certainly didn't like hate it. I don't hate Assassin's Creed because I'm not gonna hate movies, but like the it's just it, it's like I, I I didn't see the same kind of passion here, and instead I just saw this an adaptation of a, a game that I am familiar with. I have played several Assassin's Creed games where they chose like they made like the wrong choices where. The game you have, you know, you like, you enjoy playing in the past and going through these, you know, different time periods and running around towns and having all these action sequences. And there's mm-hmm. like a sci-fi element that makes up about like 10% of the games. The movie's like, screw that. Let's have like 80% be the sci-fi element that nobody in the games likes to play and only have like 15 minutes worth of the stuff in the game that everyone likes. <laughs> were you, were you, uh, Using your controller in the air and just being like, I need to get through this cutscene. No, but like, you know, the, the watching people play video games is not a great, you know, thing. But this is a movie where you watch sure. people watch other people play video games. And it's like, okay, <laughs> we we need to take a step back and realize what that... I, I shouldn't be that surprised. I mean, it's from the same studio that brought us a Max Payne movie where they thought it would be better to not have action in a Max Payne movie. So I, I don't know. It's... It's... it's <laughs> 
it can be depressing to to once again be bemoan the lack of uh good movies coming out of this subgenre but like why i don't i can't care i mean because it's like why why should i expect anything yeah. better well okay yeah <laughs> so yeah that's done and now, now i'll like you know aside from <laughs> possible worst of the year list stuff i'll probably never have to talk about assassin's creed again so there we go uh, Sal, let's, let's go back to you hey, i was just i was gonna comment on assassin's creed i didn't get yeah. to see it and i feel like it's one of those weird things where it's just gonna it's just gonna disappear yeah, I, it's, I, a, it's an 150 million dollars. Like, who's like the, the, they put so much money into it? Oh my gosh, that's what the budget was. Wow, it's so peculiar because I did an early lead day for it, and the, I don't know the game at all. I know the very basic premise, and everything the director said sounded cool, and it yeah. sounded interesting. Um, it's weird how it, it it by the time it was hitting theaters, it, all the fanfare was gone. It was sort of the same thing that happened with the uh, Independence Day Resurgence earlier this year. Yeah. Which did like you know had no yeah. press screenings and was like that, oh this, this yeah is, that okay. had like let's not talk about Independence Day Resurgence that was my number one in the summer box office gamble I made a mistake <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah let's let's move on Silas what, what other movie have you seen you know what I saw and I saw very very late was I I just finally saw Arrival um and oh cool it it, it is fantastic and I was sort of spoiled on the ending and uh, I had kind of a weird things I saw it with my brother and he was like oh I figured out the twist and. I myself figured out the twist because I knew there was a twist, and I was almost glad I did because I was sort of able to see it as, well, it's not even a twist. It's just this thing that helps tell the story, mm-hmm. um, and I, I think it's as good knowing that as being surprised by it. Mm-hmm. I believe we were both big fans of Arrival. You, Abe, you liked Arrival quite a bit, didn't you? I liked Arrival quite a bit, yeah. Yeah, I'm try, trying to remember all of our thoughts on these movies. But uh, yeah, no, I <laughs> I am a fan of Arrival. I think Amy Adams is pretty terrific in it. And it's a fil- I saw the film twice at this point. I saw it a second time with Anna. And we, uh, I, I've, I've, I've liked thinking about it more since seeing it. The first time I saw it, I saw it in like a, a two-hour session where I saw that. And then I saw the 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 soon to be classic Inferno with Tom Hanks like a me- I saw like a you know like twenty minutes later and so I feel like I didn't have enough time to really process Arrival in the way I would have liked to so the second time I saw it I and I got to talk to Anna more like you know kind of open minded talk about it which was a lot of a lot of fun and it's very much a movie I enjoy thinking about when I consider the kind of what you're what you're said what you're essentially referring to is you know sort of the twist but not really you know that element and how that kind of plays into how that would play into your own life if you thought about it that way. Yeah, I mean, it was something that we had to kind of gingerly walk around during our review because we didn't really want to go full spoilers. I think we did end up going full spoilers later, though. We did, and I put that at the end of that episode, actually. So. Yeah, it was at the end. Yeah. <laughs> hey, what uh, what other films have you seen? The next movie that I saw was Manchester by the Sea, uh, again, playing catch-up. Uh, it's the one that was uh, highly praised coming out of, was it uh, Sundance? And... Um, yeah. I would agree that it's a very good movie. I mean, it certainly is. I, I've seen I've seen Casey Affleck do some really good acting in movies before, uh, and in movies that people haven't seen. Like I think that Aaron and I both agreed that he was very good in Out of the Furnace, uh, even though he has a very limited role. So it didn't really surprise me. But when I saw this movie, I was I was pretty blown out of my socks. Like he is really good in this movie, and I'm not trying to hype it up for people who haven't seen it, but um, I was very surprised by Casey Affleck's performance. The movie itself is also very good. It's contemplative. It's it's uh, it takes its time setting up the situation, the characters, and whatever else. And uh, it's also by the director who did uh, You Can Count on Me. So there's some parallels to how the relationships of family members play out 
But um, I thought it was a very well-done movie. It's actually one that, like La La Land, I thought about since leaving the theater, and those are always movies that uh, I put into uh, considerations for, for you know, end-of-the-year lists. Um, so I would definitely recommend Manchester by the Sea. It's not for everybody, I'd say, because um, it might not be your typical uh, beginning, middle, end type thing. But um, for all that it is, it's it's a pretty solid dram- uh, dramatic and like comedic effort from a lot of these uh, from this writer director and also from the the cast. That that last point you make there about it, you know, having humor, it is why I, I would say it's a movie that most people could watch. I mean, it's obvious, you know, there's there's a very you know there's a large dramatic element in it, but I, I do think the right. given the given the given the tragedy that involves certain characters. I think there's a there's a much yep. more manipulative and less effective way to tell a story like this, but I think what Kenneth Lonergan does um, is create a, a series of characters and a story a storyline and dialogue that really, you know, makes it a rewarding watch, one where you don't feel down by the time you're done with it. It's a it's a film that really, you know, it's a it, it's two it's nearly two and a half hours, but it gives you. Yeah, very good it look. is quite it, long. It gives you a good look, but you know, it's not, I wouldn't call it you know it's never a drag or it never like it. I mean. There are elements that you know. There's sad. There's sad stuff in the movie. If you want to, you of know, course. Put it, I mean, you want it, to put it, it all involves but... around a death in the family. So yes, but I, but I, but I mean, even as an R-rated film for you know the language, essentially, I would say it. It has a lot of kind of uplift in it for like what 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 people are going through. Obviously, there's again based off what what Casey Affleck's doing in this movie, it brings you to a certain place when you realize everything that's going on with him. But there's a lot to there's a lot to enjoy in Manchester by the Sea that. Uh, I think makes it yeah. an easier movie to recommend than I would have expected. If I, you know, going into it, I thinking, okay, here we go with a two and a half hour, you know, kind of drama. But again, it's a kind of Lonergan film. You know, he's done. You can count on me, which also has a lot of comedy. Um, let's Margaret. Mar the second one. Margaret's a little darker, uh, but but this one, I think it really <laughs> really plays well. I will bring in uh, Dad's movie corner then, eh? Because my yes! my, dad, my dad was able to see Manchester by the Sea, and he also really enjoyed it, about the same way as you just described cool. it. Actually, I mean, he was he was a big fan of it. I'll also add that he saw Rogue One, um, and he thought it was good, not great. That was his takeaway. <laughs> <laughs> and that was another edition of Out Dad's Other movie Dad's movie corner. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, Do we have any mom's movie minutes? Uh, not yet, but I will be seeing my mom okay. very soon, and I will be happy to throw that in there when we get it. Um, awesome. She'll probably be on the show at some point next week if uh, things pan out correctly. <laughs> uh, let's see. I will. Let's let's uh, go to Fences. How about that? I saw Fences uh, a few okay. weeks ago, um, but Fences is now out in wide release, and. Um, we might do like a longer review of this uh, on next week's show. Perhaps we'll see. But uh, I will say, Fences is very good. It. I think I even talked about it a little bit already. But I think there's. You you briefly mentioned it. I briefly maybe mentioned a, it uh, like a, a week ago. Yeah. So I'll just I'll kind of reiterate that Denzel and Viola Davis are very good in this movie. Uh, Viola Davis in particular has some kind of standout acting scenes in a movie that's full of her and Denzel just being consistently great. Um, but I, you know, do do a very good job of justifying. It's you know. If you want to round it down to just awards, why she deserves lots of awards, but just why she's just a great actress in general. Um, the stage element of being, a, you know, a, a movie adapted from a from an August Wilson play, I think as a director, right. Denzel handles that mostly well. Um, I wasn't as bothered by the staginess of it as I am with some of the others that uh, have a problem of feeling more contained because of the nature of the film. But it's mainly because of Wilson's uh-huh. dialogue is so. 
there's such a great rhythm to it that I was caught up in you know how these characters were talking to each other, how these characters were being developed, and how we were seeing them in various lights and what have you that I didn't mind the kind of the, the basic nature of having a movie that's largely set in one location with only a handful of characters to work with and lots of talk around gotcha. about yeah so but yeah fences i i better than jersey boys it. though most things are uh, <laughs> 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 let's uh let's go back to silas what's another film you've seen you know, uh, I just watched, uh, simply because I was trying to see what films I'd missed this year, and it's on Amazon Prime Video now, a uh, documentary called Chicken People. Huh. What uh, is Chicken People? It is great. It yeah, is, what is this? It, it is sort of like best in show, uh, but real, and about <laughs> people that love chickens and compete in competitive chicken shows. And it's... Interesting. It's just such... It, it's such interesting source material and the people they talk to have genuine love of raising chickens and they all raise chickens in very different ways and it was not something i uh, i I saw somebody's best of list and they they said it was one of their favorites of the year and uh it probably wouldn't make my own top 10 but i i i see why it might make someone's so that's on amazon prime interesting that is yeah okay chicken people I'll have to uh, check out a trailer, and maybe I'll just have to check out the whole thing. I've been picking up a—I'll get to another pick eventually, actually. That is on Amazon Prime as well. But I've been going through Amazon Prime. There's a lot of good gems on there, so uh, I'm happy to—always happy to hear about new ones. There's there's some good stuff on Amazon Prime that I was not aware of until recently as far as looking through it and seeing, like, oh, wow, I can see a lot of of things I didn't realize on. That is true. That's why—I certainly feel like uh, Amazon Prime has uh, kind of picked up its game, and Netflix is starting to pick it back up, too. but, Netflix uh, hasn't been Netflix, down. <laughs> Netflix hasn't been down, but there was there was a point where I was kind of wondering where all the the major big features were, and then all of a sudden Zootopia started coming out, and I was like, oh wait, well, yeah, they got that Disney contract, around. but they've been focused on their uh, their original. They've been doing their, a lot of their, their own their content. original programming, yeah, which is right, which, which has, has been got, fantastic, which I'm has done very it. well for them, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, uh, the last one that I caught up on so far was uh, Jackie. It was the uh, the biopic slash movie uh, with Natalie Portman. And for an hour and 40-some-odd minutes, it certainly feels longer. I'm not, I'm not saying that in a discouraging way, but there's a lot to the movie that uh, makes it feel... I was surprised, essentially, when I looked at the running time, because it, it certainly felt longer. Again, not in a bad way, but I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, the, the Kennedys have always been a, a fascinating part of my life, because my because dad you, made you them seem like they were distant right? cousins. <laughs> so... It, it was. It's kind of strange that I've kind of followed their story and know their story and whatever else. Um, and to see this was it was great because of uh, of Natalie Portman's portrayal. I don't really think that Peter Sarsgaard does a really good job of portraying Robert Kennedy and whatever else. But um, I love the way that uh, they kind of just. It, it basically is just one giant very sad movie, and it kind of plays upon the whole entire notion of well, this is what grief is like after a terrible tragedy happens to your husband, you know, and, you know, just a lot of drinking, a lot of smoking and and walking through the house, kind of crying all the time and going through all these questions of what is existence here on earth. Uh, All those types of things were really interesting. Again, this is Natalie Portman's movie. Billy Crudup is there as a writer to take down some of these notes, but quite honestly, everybody is an aside as Natalie Portman is so strong in the movie that I basically didn't really even realize what anybody else is doing there because it's just her movie. So uh, I would recommend it, but again, it's 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 quite honestly 
like a movie that if if I said that there was no real beginning, middle, and end for Manchester by the Sea, this one there's no real. I mean, while it does have its end pieces, it's not really a a story per se. It's kind of just more of like this is what's happening during this interview that uh, Jacqueline Kennedy is giving to I forget the writer's name, but uh, it's a it's a slice of her life, uh, which which is right. what I enjoyed about it. As opposed, and I talked about this on our. On, yeah, a, on episode. an episode, yeah, yeah uh, Anna and I had a one-on-one conversation about Jackie, which I really enjoyed doing, and that's one that I certainly look forward. You to guys are mirroring my, the movie. I get it. If you want to hear more of my thoughts about Jackie, you know, you can find them there. But the yeah, it's a kind of biopic I very much enjoyed lately of seeing a certain part of someone's life as opposed to an all-encompassing right. look yeah, at that's the exactly what I thought too. Uh, much like yeah, that's Lincoln exactly what I thought or, um, yeah. for all these all these you know biopic documentaries that have been coming out of just like. I'm glad that they are choosing a particular part. You know, I think I first started noticing it with Lincoln and then uh, ended, or, uh, Straight Outta Compton was different, but also... Straight Outta Compton, that's more standard as far as like telling you the beginning. Yeah, it's a more standard, but still, they, they had an interesting take on it. But I'm glad that they didn't go full on like, well, this is Jacqueline Kennedy before meeting John. And then afterward, when she became Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis, you know, something like that, where it's actually literally just the day after the assassination, and then it goes into uh, flashback sequences throughout for like a week. And that's literally the, the time span of this movie. So I was I was glad to see that. Silas, did you see Jackie? I did not see Jackie, and, and I want to now. Uh, I haven't heard a ton of praise for it. I haven't really heard a lot of people talking about it, but it, that sounds very interesting. I mean, yeah. The praise is centered on Natalie Portman, who's like a lock for best actress right. as far as a nomination goes. I think that they, they yeah, I saw some I saw some lists of like people who were going to get nominated, and I was like, yeah, I feel like it's going to be uh, Natalie Portman. Well, it's like it's what is it? It's Portman, and as far as this goes, Portman could be Viola Davis. No, she's in supporting. Um, supporting Portman and, and Emma Stone is the other. Uh... I I oh, hope, yeah, I I hope Ruth Nega. I loved her performance in Loving. She's another one that's getting I a lot of praise as far as. Uh, her performance goes. Uh, let's yeah. see what else. What else do I have here? I think I'll hold off on one of those. I'll bring up uh, Martin, Sor- Martin Scorsese's Silence. Um, okay. <laughs> the <laughs> Silence is probably like one of the one of the more least commercial films that uh, Martin Scorsese has made, especially compared to something like Wolf of Wall Street, uh, which is incredibly entertaining and you know has big stars that you can latch on to and laugh with for three hours because of all the craziness that's going right. on this this movie is uh and andrew garfield adam and adam driver as two portuguese catholic priests that go to japan to find their mentor uh liam neeson who is believed to have kind of renounced um renounced renounced catholicism um because of tor- by through torture and so the movie is it's near it's two hours and like 39 minutes it it feels long and i do like it quite a bit uh i think the there's there's a more in-depth way i'd like to talk about this movie we were gonna we were gonna talk about it originally uh-huh. um we might have to go yeah we might have but, to go uh yeah, there, we might have another episode to kind of detail more about right. silence but i mean there's there's a lot of reasoning behind how scorsese approached this film and i very much liked what he had to do here i can i can see it not working for some uh but what i was a big fan of is how it's clear that scorsese continues to want to challenge himself as a director and you know he's it's not like he's young but he's somehow he's like stripped away a lot of the things that make a scorsese movie feel like a typical scorsese movie as far as his 
soundtracks, the way he shoots his films, the, the, the various varying right. styles of what he does. Um, and this is a one. This is one that really just takes away a lot of those things, aside from uh, narration and kind of a, some things about the characters, and obviously religion, which has always played a part in a majority of his films. And I really like seeing how he was able to approach that. And I think I'll just stop there. But I will say that as a Scorsese fan, I know even people, as, even Scorsese fans, have had some negative things to say about this one. I was a big fan. I really liked what he was going for here. I think it's. Very, it's very assured filmmaking, for, and uh, yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it is quite heavy. I will say that as well. <laughs> okay, uh, okay, uh, Silas, you got any more? Uh, you know, the 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 weird one is uh, I, I've spent the last week back in Maryland for the holidays, and uh, being home, I have a sister who's ten years younger than me, and uh, I introduced her to the entire Blair Witch franchise, and then rewatched <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. the new Blair Witch. And uh, I'm a big, big fan of the Blair Witch franchise. And a lot of people don't realize that if you take the uh, Academy definition of a feature film, which is longer than 40 minutes, there's actually six Blair Witch movies. Um, (laughs) I'm sorry. What are the the other three Blair Witch movies that I'm not thinking of right now? (laughs) They they aired on television. They're they're fake documentaries. Um, Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, one of which I think is like personally is this like weird gem of like an undiscovered film that no one ever saw called <laughs> the Burkittsville Seven. Mm-hmm. Um, but then all coming down to to watching the new Blair Witch again, and I I wish I could say I liked it more. I I really want to like it. I just I don't think it's very good. Mm. And I love uh, Adam Wingard. I I was re- like I was really excited not only that there was going to be a new Blair Witch movie but that Adam Wingard was making a new movie and uh I I wasn't that fond of it seeing it the first time and and rewatching it on the Blu-ray it's just I I can't muster the love for it I I feel like I I want to have for it yeah I uh, I wasn't a huge fan of Blair Witch but I admired I admired elements of it it was more like the it kept seeming like there were chances that could have been taken, but that they chose not to. Like having a drone camera seemed like that could have led to something cooler, but it ended up not really serving much of a purpose. But at the same time, I think like the last twenty minutes, pretty intense stuff going on there. I think the the lead actress involved does a pretty good job of conveying the sense of terror that seems to be constantly hitting her in the face uh, throughout a lot of the end of that <laughs> film. Uh, but yeah, it is. <laughs> I'm not a devoted fan like you are apparently of the Blair Witch franchise, <laughs> so I, I, only have, I only have so much that I can that I can add as far as now. This is paranormal activity. Aaron would be all over it. Yes, I am a big fan of the paranormal activity yeah. franchise. I will go to bat for it in that sense. I'm not beyond naming some you know the lesser ones in that series, but I do like that franchise as a whole. But yeah, the the Adam Wingard element that was certainly something that got you know that got that got me excited for seeing a Blair Witch, especially you know. When they pulled the whole like it's actually not the woods, it's the Blair Witch. Like that was like, all right, that's that's neat. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I I appreciate they did that, but at the same time, I look back and I'm sort of like, why did you do that? Like, yeah. it was a special surprise for a small audience that I was in and wasn't even particularly like blown away by. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, based off the box office, uh, I don't think we'll be getting. Uh, Blair oh, Witch man. Book of Shadows too. I don't know. The uh, <laughs> the Blu-ray comes out next week, which was one of the reasons for the the whole thing. Um, but and the commentary on it is is great because it's uh, uh, Adam Wingard and Simon Barrett talking about it, and they filmed they recorded it two weeks after uh, the film was released, and 
you feel so ba- oh, good. bad that's, for them. They're so that's, bummed out. That's the best kind of commentary, though. I can't. I'm. I. I. Having you know reviewed Blu-rays and loving commentary tracks in general, I've I've been very discouraged by a lot of the, especially on like the blockbusters, like a lot of the, uh, the you know bigger films that have these great comment. You know what seems like a great commentary track, only to find out that they're coming out like you know a week before everything got recorded or something. Where it's like, well, that's not like there's no perspective there. I mean, it's great to know about how they you know little stories from the set, but yeah, hearing something like that that makes me looking for. I think I'm supposed to review the Blair Witch Blu-ray actually, so I look forward to actually doing that because I get to listen to the commentary. That's what I want to hear. And yeah, they're say they're really bummed out about it. I mean, I, I shouldn't be excited about that, but I am. It's, I honestly, I as much as I don't like uh, the movie, I'm happy to to have the Blu-ray simply because there's a bunch of there's also a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff, and yeah, it, it's a good set. It's just I wish the film was better. Yeah, they're blue. I mean, because you're next, and um, the guest also have like great like bonus features and audio commentaries on them. So it's like I'm I'm happy to have this trilogy of Wingard Barrett films just because they you know I get to know a lot about the making of them. So. Do you guys think he's gonna do the commentary for Beauty and the Beast? Huh? No, that's because uh, oh, oh, Dan Stevens. His face is the Beast. Yeah, Dan Stevens. Oh. Yeah, Dan Stevens. Yeah, yeah Wingard. Just kidding. He's on uh, what Death Note next apparently. So we'll. Oh, is he? Yeah, he's doing the Death Note. He's going to do the live-action American Death version Note. of Death Note? Yep. Which I think is Sounds... it's, it's already done, right? Like, they already shot yeah, it? I think they already shot it, yeah. Wow. Where's, it's been... Is there any uproar or no uproar? Well, it's bound to be less controversial than Ghost in the Shell. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> I can't wait to see it. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, do you guys have any more movies? Don't have any more TMs. Okay. Sounds do you have any more? No, I've been I've been sort of stalled with this past week of uh, vacation. Okay, then I will quickly run through some, and then we'll move on. Uh, let's see. let's I saw, go. I saw I Daniel Blake. This is this is a film. This is an English film, um, uh, set in Newcastle, uh, that I quite liked. It's in very limited release right now, but if you can find a film called I Daniel Blake, it tells the story of a blue collar middle aged Eng- uh, Englishman who is dealing with a lot. Uh, a lot of stuff in the as far as um basic workplace politics and what have you because he had a uh, like a he had a me- medical issue that's preventing him from getting work but he's dealing with a, of how to get back to work when there's all this like bureaucratic stuff going on it's real it's it's quite good i i enjoyed it all, the, the end is a little rocky but it's quite i i enjoyed it quite a bit okay. uh, let's see uh patriots day i feel like we'll talk about this more hey that's already you can talk about that already yeah it came out okay it came out on Christmas. In limited release, right? Yeah, that yeah. <laughs> and nice. I, reviewed, I reviewed it and everything. But Patriots Day, okay, I think is quite good. Um, I was a fan of what uh, Peter Berg brought to Patriots Day, which means t- Peter Berg is two for two this year. Two um, solid Peter Berg movies this two year. Two solid Peter Berg movies this year. So yeah, um, I, but it does expand in January. Um, so I think okay. we'll probably gotcha. have time to do a bigger episode then. Um, right. Let's see. There is this movie on Amazon Prime that I found called The Fits which got a lot of acclaim uh, early on in the year, and I was able to just now catch up with it, and I will say it certainly deserves that acclaim. Like the young female boxer? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, I've watched it a couple times at this point already. A uh, couple of times already? Hey, remember when Ida came out, and I was I kept encouraging yes. everyone and to see like, Ida? you're like, everyone should like, go watch Ida. It's 90 minutes. It's it's like it's like 80 minutes, and it's like, why not just watch this Oh, it's movie? 80 minutes. Yeah, it's re- it, the fits yeah. is like 75 minutes. Um, it's like, even if you don't like it, it's not going to take that much time. I don't know why you wouldn't like it. It's terrific. But, um, I'm just saying it's out there. It's on Amazon prime. So it's I mean, basically yeah, you're, free. you're generally pretty right about the time running times and, uh, recommending them on, on streaming media. 
I mean, I think you recommended to me World of Tomorrow in 16 minutes, yes. and I was yeah, like, this is whopping. fantastic. If I saw World of Tomorrow I, yeah, before I, I made my... Right after yeah. If I watched that before I made my top 10 list, that 16-minute film would have made my top 10 list, but... Uh, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, um, moving Let's on. see. Moving on. Um, there is a series on Netflix called The OA that I mentioned last week, but it is from uh, Britt Marling and Zal Batmanglish. And besides being able to say a name mm-hmm. that's even cooler than Damien Chazelle, which is Zal Batmanglish... Um, Damien Chazelle's already... <laughs> Uh, I will say the OA. It's like eight episodes. It's quite interesting. I'm very much. It's like it's. Okay. I've heard someone described it as an adult version of Stranger Things, and set like in modern times. That's pretty. That's accurate to what? a point. Um, wow. Okay. All right. I'll but, have to give it a go. But it's quite. It's 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 quite good. It's a little weird, but I'm enjoying it, and I'm looking forward to seeing how it wraps up. <laughs> and um, lastly, just to point this out, because I watch both of these movies back to back with Anna, and I know Abe, you're a fan of at least one of these movies. I watched both Home Alones on Christmas Day. <laughs> uh, you you know that I am not a big fan of Home Alone. <laughs> You're not a fan of the first one, but you but the, you like the second one more. I like I like the second one more. Now I will say, <laughs> watch I haven't watched either of these two movies in probably over ten years. <laughs> but, Is that right? That's yeah. I I don't watch. I, I, I watch Home Alone every season. I know. I know you're a huge fan of Home Alone. I'm aware of this. Um, I am not so much. But I will say my opinion has not changed. <laughs> okay. I, all right. I, I yeah. still – I don't think Home – I don't think – well, if my opinion's changed at all, it's that I, I can recognize more clearly that Home Alone 2 is not a good movie. I was able to say that before. but now no, it's, it's like, not. Well, it's clearly not a good movie. But I think oh. while – I think Home Alone – He meets a woman who, who garners pigeons – in the park, and they become fast friends. <laughs> That's improbable. That's, improbable. That's not improbable. People can be friends. <laughs> Haven't you seen Coke commercials? People can be friends of all over the place. <laughs> That's my go-to great example. Point. Haven't you yeah, seen Coke great, commercials? Yeah. That's a great point. <laughs> I, but I, I will say this. Home Alone, which, I mean, it's not terrible by any means. I'm not saying that when I say I don't like Home Alone. I'm not, not a big fan of it. Um, I think the the choice to make it, you know, the more emo- it's a more emotional film than the second one is. I think that's derailed by the third act of nonstop. Let's try to do everything horrible to Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern. That seems really painful <laughs> to me. Uh, the second one embraces the goofiness all the way through, which is why I think I like that movie more because it's just a cartoon essentially. <laughs> it's stupid. It's a very stupid movie, but I can get I can get into the spirit of Home Alone too. And you know, Tim Curry's fun. Like that's that's a nice thing. Tim Curry's but, always a good time. There's there's admirable things I think in both movies. I, but <laughs> but my opinions on Home Alone, the franchise in general, has not changed. They still haven't changed. Okay. (laughs) The jury's still out. Although you you and I are both on the same page of, I don't think I'm ever going to watch Home Alone 3. Home Alone 3 is not bad. (laughs) Are you serious? There's a reason why Roger Ebert gave that one a positive review and not the other two. I'll say that. (laughs) You don't know, Abe. You didn't see Home Alone 3. I haven't seen it. (laughs) I won't speak up for Home Alone 4, though. That's a a no-no. That's a... (laughs) No, no. I won't go there. I won't go that far. Anyhow, when we start our our podcast on talking about one minute of Home Alone franchise every week, uh, we'll we'll see how that goes. The Home Alone Minute. (laughs) What I'm going to do in 2017 is I'm going to slip in a line from Home Alone every week of a show. And if you just sit together... What I'm gonna do is not recognize that because I don't don't randomly catch quotes from movies that I'm not big fans of. We'll like leave Anna it on does, the Gordon Doris. Anna does that a lot. She'll reference Home Alone, and I'll be like, I don't immediately get that because I don't watch <laughs> Home Alone all the time. Like, I'm, she's with you, Abe. She's uh, with you, kind of Home Alone. But, uh, it's a good holiday movie. Okay. Is it perfect? No way. But is it fun? Yeah. Anyway, right. that, yes. that's a great Home Alone tangent. 
and that's going to bring us to the end of a very yes. long Out Now Quickies. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on now to Trailer Talk, where we talk about one of the newest movie trailers of the week, what we thought of it, what have you. And this week, finally, we have a trailer for Alien Covenant, the next chapter Oof. in the prequel series of Alien movies, as in it is a follow-up to Prometheus, still set before right. the first Alien. It's directed by Ridley Scott. It features Michael Fassbender once again in, I believe, a dual role, um, among many others. Uh, let's, uh, Silas, what do you think of the? Are, are you a are you a Prometheus fan? I'll ask you that first. I am not a. I I I was so angry when <laughs> Prometheus. I I was so excited for Prometheus. There's so much in Prometheus that should be great, and the fact that it's as dumb as it is just. It infuriates me like nothing else. Like, it's one thing to just have a terrible movie, but so much of Prometheus works that the things that are stupid to me just ruin it. And I want to like Alien Covenant. I really want it to be a great movie. I think the trailer looks really good. The trailer has me really excited. I just, I can't, I can't get too excited for Covenant. Hey, it's totally I believe, understandable. I, I believe we were fans of Prometheus. I know I was. I'm trying to remember if you were. I No, I, I wasn't. How, you weren't. How okay. dare you? <laughs> <laughs> I was on the same boat as Silas here, okay. where a lot of the actions of the characters just infuriated me so much so that uh, it just became almost very comical, right? So, um, But with that being said, I, I, I appreciated a lot of other aspects of Prometheus, such as the uh, direction. Well, I mean, I guess the costume design, set design. Basically um, stuff you expect from a Ridley Scott movie. Correct, yeah. From a sci-fi uh, Ridley Scott movie. Right. But uh, the trailer for Alien Covenant, I thought it was pretty gory, which I thought was a, a, a good thing. Um, I was surprised when I was watching it and the Red Band trailer thing came up, and I was like, what? That's weird that they would have a Red Band trailer. Um, and then I watched it, and yeah, it, it certainly goes back into the um, the the creepiness of xenomorphs. You know, the the slow buildup of these sequences where people are going to be murdered by uh, aliens. And there's also the the cool space marine element of it, with uh, led by uh, Captain uh, not Captain, Captain Billy Crudup. Right? <laughs> Billy Crudup, yeah, he's back. <laughs> He's back with the mustache. You know, I don't know any role where he doesn't have a mustache. Actually, I Big Fish doesn't have one. Yeah, I, I don't think he has a mustache in this or in the or in Jackie. That's true. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but, uh, go see <laughs> Almost Famous. He's got a great mustache. <laughs> he can rock a mustache. I've seen him rock mustaches in multiple films. You're right. I, I yeah, agree with you there. He's a, he's a good mustache rocker. Yeah. Um, with that being said, I, I that's my favorite like, new indie really... movie, by the way. Mustache rocker. I can't wait for that one to come. Mustache out. rocker. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's going to be a Kickstarter that air. You should start. <laughs> uh, but the trailer is, I think the trailer is pretty good in that it's showing you that this is going to be much more violent of a movie. Uh, and there might be even be some things like, I don't even know what's going out of that guy's back. But that stuff kind of creeps me out that they're, that they're willing to, to show it for two seconds in a trailer. Because that just makes me worried for watching the movie and having it happen over the course of like a minute or 30 seconds. Um, the other thing that actually I thought was funny was the shower sequence toward the end of the trailer where it basically was a Jason type sequence, Friday the 13th type sequence of, uh, people possibly fornicating and then somebody being murdered. 
So I thought that was funny. But uh, no, I mean, there's a lot of bloodshed in this trailer, and the, it certainly feels more of a of an alien movie rather than like an origin story like Prometheus was. I will say that I am a fan of Prometheus. Um, okay. I found I found that the as you guys were saying the interesting stuff was outweighed by the frustrating elements of some of the characters. I was the reverse, where I thought the interesting stuff going on in the film was enough to outweigh the frustrating elements. It's not flawless by any means, but I, I think if there wasn't so much anticipation built up around the fact that it's Ridley Scott making an alien movie, we'd be a lot more kinder to what Prometheus has to offer. Uh, that, and looking back at this podcast, I see the recap I have here. We had Scott Mendelson, Adam Gentry, and Jordan Grout on this show. This is a packed episode for Prometheus. Oh, that was a, yeah, that's a big panel. And, and I'm pretty sure we debated this very heavily on this show, too, because I know Scott wasn't a fan. So it was probably like you and him and Adam against like me and Jordan. But regardless, uh, as a Prometheus fan, I am looking forward to a follow-up to Prometheus. Um, I my My biggest concern, I guess, is if the kind of... The, the the unfavorable things that people complained about in Prometheus, um, if that's going to affect how Alien Covenant plays out. Like, will the movie play as more of a standard Alien sequel that happens to be a prequel as opposed to continuing the ideas that were brought forth in Prometheus? Sure, um, yeah. I, I know the like, the screenplay this time around is done by John Logan um, of a variety of things, including Hugo, um, <laughs> which we love, which is completely different from Alien. <laughs> but... Um, I, I, I just, I guess I, I hope that this film, because I think Prometheus had a lot of weird in it, right? I think there's, there's a lot of weird stuff going on in Prometheus, in, in, in addition to baffling story logic. Um, but I like to think that that weird element that I was enjoying, involving like Michael Fassbender's David and some of the other stuff going on, I'd, li- I like to hope that that affects how this story plays out. We don't know much about it, about this movie beyond right. you know, people go to a planet and bad stuff happens, and David's already there, you know presumably welcoming some of the bad stuff to happen well yeah he's kind of a catalyst for it yeah um but yeah in addition to that yeah as far as like a creepy high sci-fi horror movie goes Ridley Scott seems to be pretty good at that I'd like to hope he's able to continue that as far as the filmmaking and you know visually and what have you so yeah I you know I want this movie to be good very badly uh I probably even though I like Prometheus more than you guys I probably sit with silence in silence and you know thinking Let's just hope it works out. <laughs> I, it's it's I, one of yeah. those weird things about Ridley Scott where I don't know if there's a filmmaker as as capable of making films as divisive. Like he'll make a movie that I think sounds terrible and it ends up being amazing. And then he'll have a movie that seems like it's going to be amazing and it ends up being terrible. And there's rarely any rhyme or reason. It's just you sort of randomly get a good Ridley Scott movie or a really bad one. Hmm. Yeah, so let's hope this is just a laugh riot like The Martian, I guess. I guess that's, the, that's the main takeaway here. Um, let's see. Hey, man, Alien, those Golden yeah. Globes aren't wrong, all right? They're never wrong. Hey, that's, La La Land has some steep competition if it wants to be as good as the musical that was Martha The Martian from last year. That's all I'm saying. Um, Alien Covenant opens in theaters May 19th, 2017. So this going to be a great summer next year. That's certainly a big, you know, looks like a fun highlight in May, that's for sure. So we'll see yeah. how that goes. Uh, moving on from there, let's get to our main review, among the many other reviews we've already given, but our main review yeah. for Passengers. Is he asking me on a date? She didn't seem that impressed. Wow. You clean up pretty good yourself. You two look fine this evening. We're on a date. Very nice. To 
took you long enough to ask. So, why did you give up your life on Earth? We boarded the Avalon with a destination. 120 years hibernation means we'll wake up in a new century on a new planet. But a year ago, everything changed. Uh, that should have been some of the trailer for Passengers. Passengers is the story of two people who are awake on a spaceship while thousands are in hibernation around them. The ship is on a 120-year trip, and they woke up 90 years early. They are played by Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence, and the only choice seems to be dealing with their situation and possibly falling in love. The film has con come under a lot of scrutiny for how it goes about getting these characters to the point that they are in. I'll just leave it at that for now, but I think we'll dig into that as we go along here. Uh, director Morton Tildum and screenwriter John Spates obviously have their thoughts on this, but I want to start with you, Silas. Um, what do what do you think of, from, of Passengers overall? And uh, I will from there we'll get into because it's basically like an Act One slash Two spoiler for like how things happen. What were your overall thoughts on the film? I I mean I would throw out the caveat that there are some big problems with uh things that happen in the plot of passengers that just don't get the discussion or the attention that they need to that being said uh it's sort of like what you mentioned with prometheus uh the the stuff that i loved outweighed what i thought was dumb uh and the world building of passengers is fantastic it's it's a really neat sci-fi movie that has a believable sci-fi world that sort of uh, it just feels like it's out of a, a classic like sci-fi novel. And I quite like Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence. Um, until the third act, I would say I loved Passengers. And it, it's a shame it falls apart as it does, but I don't think it, it ruins the movie for me. All right. Mm. Abe, what are your overall thoughts on uh, Passengers? So many questions. So many questions. Question one. My... <laughs> Question one. <laughs> Is uh, no, actually, uh, but quite honestly, there are there are a lot of plot questions that I have about this movie that kind of keep me from from liking it overall. Uh, I think that there's a lot of quick fixes toward some of the problems that are very tropish to some degree, and that is kind of a, the biggest embodiment of that is when there's a third character introduced, and and I was like, oh, well, this is just almost ridiculous now. Uh, to to have this sort of plot device in your movie, but prior to that, there's there's not a whole uh, in terms of the world building like what Silas was mentioning. I can give it some credit for some of the elements, but I actually had a lot of questions of well, why would people want to take this journey? You know, there's actually a really interesting conversation between she and Chris Pratt of uh, hey, this is going to be like a 150 year journey. By the time you get back, all your friends would be dead and well, what makes somebody want to take this kind of journey? And for Chris Pratt, it's pretty cut and dry, but for somebody like Jennifer Lawrence, where it's a little bit more complex, there's not a whole lot of uh, explanation for that. Um, I did like the way that they built the spaceship and that you could basically go about it Wally style and have food prepared for you, and there's still some sort of classism involved because you can either buy a budget spaceship ticket or be a gold member. Um, but there's a lot of questions as to if something like this happens to a passenger like Chris Pratt, why do all the systems turn on knowing that a person is awake 
decades before the the uh, launch sequence for the other 5,000 passengers are even initiated. You know, why does... That's an engineering question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, you know, I thought about it during the movie. I was like, well, I guess you wouldn't... Uh, one person wouldn't eat up the food supply for 5,000 people over the course of four months, but still, you know, these things turn on, and they allow him to wander about, and I don't know why these things play when uh, when they don't recognize that more than one person is awake. But with that being said, uh, just in quick recap, I had a lot of questions. It kind of prevented me from liking the movie on the whole. And when some of the things happen that are questionable, it helps drive the plot forward. But at the same time, it's it's also uh, I was kind of dumbfounded when some of the members of my screening gasped when Jennifer Lawrence finds out some some truth. And I was like, I don't know why you're gasping because it had to have come up later, sooner or later, anyway. So I I don't understand why people are are, are as enthralled uh with that being said it's it's kind of a forgettable movie in my degree in my view i uh, i liked passengers and i feel i feel like i saw this in a similar way where i saw collateral beauty uh, where i don't like collateral beauty but i feel like i saw it before this kind of like hate wave washed over it of like this is the worst yeah. thing ever where i'm like all right like i didn't think it was particularly good but it's like i don't think this movie deserved the kind of scorn that it's got and with passengers i feel like it's going the same way where it's like i I wouldn't say Passengers is amazing, but I did I, overall I do like it, and I do think the first two thirds of the movie are really strong. There is an element that we'll get to in a second here that is undercut by the the fact that we don't explore that more and just settle for a typical kind of blockbustery action way of solving the film as opposed to getting to the kind of morality and other thematics that are important for the film and its characters, but as a as a sci-fi popcorn movie, I thought this was quite fun. I think uh, Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence, they play this version. They play like the, the kind of the public version of themselves that you know. As a, you know, they're not really de developing like deep characters. They're just playing kind of off their charisma essentially. And I thought that worked. I thought it worked for this movie. I, I enjoyed watching them uh, be together. Chris Pratt in particular, you know, has to carry a lot of this movie. And I enjoyed doing that. Like I, and I do agree with Silas as far as kind of the seeing this sci-fi world come to life. I like the the ship's design. It, it reminded me a lot of, a lot, honestly, it reminded me a lot of kind of two thousand one and The Shining, um, <laughs> which I think is odd. But there's kind of a there's the Shining a creepy, is very apt though. <laughs> there is a creepy element to it if you look at it a certain way. But there's also a you know there's also a yeah. plausible way to think of it. As far as you know, um, you know, not that it's on the level of two thousand one, but two thousand one at the time, the logic involved in how those spaceships were designed made a level of sense. And I think the kind of way it's designed for you know today with modern modern visual effects and what have you, it kind of it it adds up to me as far as how this ship functions. Um, there's a lot of you know, good thing we have that whatever device to kind of solve that problem type logic. But I enjoyed that. I en I enjoyed right. watching Chris Pratt kind of. And he's like an engineer, so he can kind of you know try to help solve his own problems to an extent as well. Like there's a lot of little things like that that I admired. I thought there was a lot of good detail yeah. work in addition to seeing how these characters would get along or what have you. And Michael Sheen is fun. I, I forgot to mention. It, Michael Sheen is fine. Yeah. Michael Sheen's second like amazing sci-fi bartender role after Tron Legacy. Oh, of course. Yes. And they're not even similar. He's just like really good at playing sci-fi bartenders. There's less guitar for him in this one, but yeah. The, the, yeah, yeah, less cane guitar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I want to get into the thing that I'm trying to avoid talking yes, about. Yes, please. The, yeah, and, so, and okay. I'd like to also just briefly add before we get into that that yeah. I, I didn't 
I didn't come into this movie with all that fear around it either. I kind of uh, came in pretty plain. So again, I wasn't. I while I was aware of it, and it it kind of happened the way that I thought it was going to happen. It wasn't as though I was like, "Wow, this is the crew factor has been jumped up by it to 11. It's like, nah, I kind of just went in with an open mind. So, so here's the thing: <laughs> the 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 trailer shows you that two people wake up in space, and they're you know they're stuck in a situation, right. and it has to go from there. Um, what the film actually does, and this is very you know clear from minute go, essentially, is that Chris Pratt is the one that wakes up. Um, I'm going to be spoiling the first you know 20 minutes of. Excuse me, the first like thirty minutes of passengers now. So if you guys if if you've listened to this far of the podcast and you're like, I don't know if I want to know about passengers that I didn't see this weekend, uh, then you should stop this podcast and go see it or not, or just keep listening, whatever. Or fast um, forward. Yeah, or fast forward. We have timestamps. Yeah. You can listen. I'll, I'll even say I don't think it's a spoiler. I think I don't either. I think it's more of a it's marketing. I don't think so either because it, it's yeah. so it's so heavy in the plot that it can't be one. It's it, just more it's, like the marketing sets you up to think it's going to be one way, and it's not. Right. Like, yeah. But it's so anyway. weird. It's like yeah. the, the, the Venn diagram of where, like, spoilers and trigger warnings, like, overlap. And I, yeah. it's, it's almost unfortunate that it's not something that's being talked about because I think if you accept that going in, you'll have a much better time with the film. I agree, yeah. But anyway, uh, to go th- that's the tricky thing that I have to deal with because some people are touchy about spoilers. Uh, but here we are. Uh, basically, Chris Pratt yeah. wakes up first in this movie. He suffers for like a year, and a year and like a few months. No, a year. He suffers. He's there for a year. Yeah, I thought it was like a thirteen months or something like that. Or well, okay, yeah. thirteen. Anyway. 13. I thought you said just a couple months. Okay, never mind. Uh, no, no, no but, not a couple months. It's like yeah, a year and okay. some odd months. He suffers for a long time before he finally comes across Jennifer Lawrence's pod, and he awakens her himself. So he's the reason right. that she's awake. So the obviously, the thought on that is that well, that's incredibly creepy and stalkerish because this character's essentially woken this person up and this is kind of a, a perception that I think people have taken that he's basically he's woken this he's woken this other female up so so he can essentially have someone to to romance well it, I feel do, like, like that's dude, there's a yeah that's the, that's the harsher way that's the harshest way to look at it I that's think. the that's, harsh way of looking at it but yeah. quite honestly if you watch the movie again he's been a, a, by himself for so long he's actually kind of just He's grown attached to this person because he starts watching their video logs, and he kind of just has conversations to himself about this person, about their day. And, and it's actually kind of it, – sure, it's a creep factor on that level, but he doesn't do it out of – like what Aaron was mentioning. like He doesn't do it out of a human desire for like uh, need and affection and, and sex. It's kind of just more of like I really I need, need someone to interact with or any, yeah. I need anything else because you know living a, an, an isolation on this ship. The thing that, regardless of the intentions, the thing that I think the that people seem to be a lot of people seem to be missing out on is the movie's aware of that. The fact that that's creepy to an extent. Like it, I mean, it. I think it it gets that this isn't you know the best thing that one could do. Um, and it, the I trouble think, is, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't do enough with it because yes, there is yeah. a sense of like I agree. Well, w- what if Ten Cloverfield Lane ended with John Goodman and Mary Elizabeth Winstead living happily ever after? You'd be creeped out by that. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. And especially I mean, after the fact that she finds the acid bath, it'd be like, I guess they're going to be together. <laughs> In any case, for passengers, I certainly felt that yes, there's. The, the movie doesn't really extrapolate on that notion because Chris Pratt actually has problems with doing it, right? He has yeah. issues with opening up this pod. He has moral conflicting issues, and he's talking to Jarvis about it. Jarvis, in this case, being uh, <laughs> Michael, Michael Sheen, who's Arthur. But yes. uh, basically, he, he actually has problems with like 
should I do this or should I not do this? And even when he's at the point where he's been growing this beard and working out and he's deciding to cut off his beard, he's like, don't cut off your beard. And yeah, the movie plays that part, though, but it actually doesn't continue with it, which which I think is a detriment. There's, I mean, as it gets to its you know kind of later stages, it just it essentially it settles for being a popcorn movie, which is what it is to begin with, and I shouldn't necessarily expect more from it, but it'd still be nice too. Like I can't I can't expect you know a hundred twenty million dollar movie with big movie stars to be Moon. I I, I can't expect that to happen. But at the same time, yeah. it would be it would be nice to you know see more consideration for the plot that it laid out as opposed to creating in a different kind of event that you know places the the big moral thing on the side and decides to deal with something else that will yeah. kind of you know, negate the harsher emotions that come with the more interesting and fascinating thing to explore. It, you know, it's, I, I was thinking about it and there's a scene where the characters go and see a movie uh, mm-hmm. and you don't see what the movie is, but you see that the genre is uh, fantasy romance. And I kind of wondered yeah. if that wasn't them saying like, it's a fantasy. Cause I mean, when beauty and the beast comes out next year, we're going to have this discussion. It's going to happen. Yep. We're going to talk about, well, is it right to have a romantic interest that locks a woman in a castle and makes her love him? But the fact of the matter is people are going to get over it and just enjoy a fun Disney musical. And it's sort of a shame that, like, it's one of those weird things where it's like, well, your movie's kind of rapey, uh, and it's weird to defend that. But at the same time, I I, I can't begrudge anyone for, for seeing it and, and just enjoying the the popcorn fairy tale aspect of it yeah and, and I, I also i, I can't uh, begrudge the opposite begrudge either as yeah exactly as, oh yeah, yeah exactly yeah i don't i don't begrudge people for saying well this is this is uh beyond an okay standard it's like yeah you're right that it's not okay but the movie tries to i'm not i'm not defending the movie at all i'm just basically saying that the movie tries to to give you the point of view of chris pratt uh dividing himself over this but they kind of do fall away at the at the wayside of continuing with that decision um so i I, yeah i don't begrudge anyone who just views it as popcorn flick and i also don't think that you're wrong if you view this as uh inappropriate to some degree i think the there's a kind of a good intentions and quotes area here where i do think the movie try i think passages tries a tries its hand at making it seem the most making it seem plausible that someone would do this and you're supposed to still root for this character to a degree i don't like it's it's not as if he just like stumpies you know he's whistling along and stumbles across the pond it's like oh look at look at that i can wake this person up and here we go like there's there's you know big strains on the character for why he's in this position to begin with and like what point he gets to before he even realizes that there's something he could be doing um that except that you know keeps him from you know going into madness essentially or worse um and it's i mean now that's a th- it's a hard thing to argue as far as like well he is still condemning a person to a certain life but that's where the movie stumbles because it doesn't go stronger into it but i would say correct wa- yeah. watching the film i wasn't as dismayed by the character's actions because i think the movie in the in the movie's logic i can still appreciate what they're trying to do to make sure i'm on the, their side to an extent i wish it explored it more it doesn't but i still had fun with a lot of the movie for me yeah so that, that's kind of where i fall off right so i mm-hmm. i agree with aaron on the points of what we're talking about you know waking somebody up and the, i wish that the movie explored explored that point more where it falls off is actually that third act when uh things start happening with the ship and it becomes very convenient for chris pratt and i know that he's an engineer because they they said that in the from the get-go that he was brought to this new planet because he has capabilities 
on that uh, on that front. But when a ship starts falling apart and a third character is introduced very quickly, I might add, uh, it, it just became very. That's where the popcorn stuff came in. I feel the most, and that's where I've kind of lost a lot of interest. Uh, I don't know how you feel about that, Silas, about uh, uh, that part of the movie. You know, I think what's missing is um, Chris Pratt needs to realize that maybe there's a twist or something and that he, as an engineer, was specifically woken up to deal with this problem by the computer. And then on some level, the exact same, like, choice that he forced on this woman was forced on him. And let him reflect on how does he feel about that. Um I, I think that would go a long way to to fixing a lot of the problems in the third act. That's yeah, that's the annoying that there are there are a lot of that's, ways to fix. That's a great that's a great idea. <laughs> that that that's one way you could presumably fix it. There's yeah. little there's little lines of dialogue that could or even just slight, slight changes that could make you kind of think differently about the whole situation involving him and Jennifer Lawrence to begin with. As far as that plot goes, like it it's 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 irritating that there are ways where you can still have the kind of the fun popcorn stuff to go along with an intriguing story that makes you think and makes you consider the uh, the possibilities or what have you, and they just kind of chooses not to. And I, I know the screenplay was on the blacklist, right? Since for like a, a number Are of years. Are you serious? Yeah, it's a blacklist screenplay. Um, as yeah, in, wow. Ev- as in everyone wanted to make this, but we never got it going right. until now. That yeah. kind of... And I, I'm curious if, they, if that's like a part of a reason why. If like they needed someone... If they needed like a director that thought they could handle that element properly and that was like what they came up with. I, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, that's where a lot of the questions are coming up too. Is well, I didn't, I didn't realize that the tethering system outside could tether you to any part of the ship outside, and then also you're going to use this blast door as a heat shield, and then the the manual override stuff. Again, there's a lot of questions that come up that felt very. It felt very quick the way that they handled it, which I didn't enjoy as you much. Get the plot logic. I mean, yes, I, there's. There's like I said. There's a lot of kind of good thing we have the whatever device and that solves this problem. That problem. Like there's a lot of s- s- straightforward logic. Uh, it's a lot that, of shortcuts. That, that, in it's the a lot of it's what's well, it's simplistic without having to give you you know yes. twenty minutes of explaining everything, which I can see that as being frustrating. Didn't particularly frustrate me, but I I, I can see where that comes from, um, and I. I think that comes down to more like engagement with the movie as a whole. Like if you if you're engaged by the movie as a whole, then you're not really worried about some of these, you know, these kind of issues. Um, yeah, at that point in the movie, I was already kind of checking myself out, yeah. not out of the movie, but just more of like, well, this is, again, like what I mentioned, it, it, well, to me, it's I mean, a forgettable it would, movie. It would bring us back to like Prometheus, which was co-written by John, which was written by John Spitz, who wrote this movie, <laughs> uh, where I'm so into those characters and what else is going on that the logic involving the story doesn't so much bother me. Yes, Charlie's there not turning left and avoiding death about bothers me, but that you know that's a different story. <laughs> well, you know, when you're in panic mode, you don't really think clearly, right? So one person did. I know that. <laughs> Knew we were paced. <laughs> and she just got out of surgery, so <laughs> she self surgery too. Uh but I I didn't think the characters were that strong. I think that early on they were strong, and I certainly like Arthur throughout the movie, but I didn't think that Jennifer Lawrence's character really conveyed anything that I I, again, not not because of profession, but she's just plopped into this this world, and I didn't really get a sense of what she stood for, what she was doing. I, you know, she tried to give me some backstory during a dinner scene, and I think that that went over okay. But then I still had questions. So on the whole, I just had questions uh, about this uh, about the about the movie. 
Did you, what did you think of the characters, uh, Silas? Did you have a... I, honestly, I think another way to, to, to fix the movie to a large degree would just be to, to switch the characters. Have have her wake up and have her be the one that commits this horrible act. Um, that's just because it, I, that, it that'd goes be against... That'd be a fun experiment just for me to see what the kind of... The, the, that, that kind of water cooler discussion would turn into on that level. Right. <laughs> but go on, Silas, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm just... I, I feel like... It would play out in a more interesting the, – the trouble is – and I talked to the director about this. The movie that I think the, the creepier, the darker elements of uh, Passengers are a lot like is uh, Lena Wertmiller's original Swept Away. Um, mm-hmm. And, I mean, again, there's a difference there just in perception of it. It's a film directed by a woman, but when the man and the woman in that film get to the island, he rapes her. Uh, and like outright rapes her and then becomes a protagonist that we're supposed to feel sympathy for. And we see that relationship build up. It's, it's a shame that passengers has that dark side to it, but it, it, it's almost too timid to explore it in any way that matters. That's, you know, you just brought, you know, the original swipe to layup, but that makes me think Morton Tildum, he, you know, he's, he's, he's Norwegian. He's not, he's not from here. And I, and I've seen this film on headhunters, um, right. which is a, you know, it's a, it's a solid thriller, but it certainly proceeds in a way that's not, you know, it's not, an, it's not like a Hollywood thriller. Yeah. Imitation game is more Hollywood by design. It's like the screenplay kind of washes over a lot of elements to kind of make a more easy to read film. And I wonder if this, you know, Tilda's sensibilities, the, the way he could have, if the strip, if the script was a little different or stronger, Perhaps, you know, the way he was handling it, it would have, you know, made you kind of accept some of the things or, you know, other people that are kind of objecting to how the film plays out. Maybe accept how this film plays out better because of him being a European director that has a different ideal for how these things can function and, and, uh, on a cinematic level uh, from yeah. how he would do that. Uh, it's a weird thing to propose, and it's not the first time that European directors have made big Hollywood movies or anything like that, but I, I wonder if there's... a there's like maybe a cultural dis- uh, a cultural uh, disconnect. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you certainly see that, uh, like what you mentioned, like just in general, in in terms of films that are made by directors that are not American. Yeah. There's there's a lot of different cultural aspects. Because well, we're in, a, and I mean, we this is a, this like, is a reach, obviously, but I mean, we're sure. in a, we're in an age where a lot of America likes to whine and complain about everything. And that's not to say that everything is, you know, how dare you? I don't want to complain (laughs) about anything. That's not to say that these complaints aren't warranted in a lot of instances, but it makes you think of what the perception is on how these things play out in, you know, in other areas around the world, as opposed to just America. Right. Right. And actually uh, getting back to passengers, you know, in terms of genre bending, whatever else, it'd actually be interesting if this turned out to be like a, a sci-fi thriller. And if that were the case, then they could explore the, the conflict of, of Chris Pratt's actions in depth, but also give you that weird sneaking suspicion that he, he knows something uh, the entire time, and that actually would have maybe played out better, but instead they kind of go lighter toward the end. And Oh yeah, if this wasn't an obvious romance, if it played, like Silas, you said, if it was Tone Cloverfield Lane, and Chris Pratt right. turned out to be a hor- horrible villain, this movie, this there wouldn't be any problem. That's for sure, because he'd be... You would know to root for Jennifer Lawrence all the way. Explore. I think there'd be more to, to dissect in a film like that, where whereas this one, I just felt as though it was a little bit too plain to some degree. Well, I mean, um, the, the, there wouldn't be as much to explore because it'd just be very straightforward. Like he's evil now, so you got to get over this. And there'd be some, there'd be some. Well, no, I mean, even if there was like that weird division of, or not division, but the conflict of 
well, do I do this or do I not do this? And then is he good or is he bad? It's kind of morally ambiguous to some degree. Well, if it, yeah, if it made uh, it straight up ambiguous, then that'd be something. If it made it just like yeah. he's obvious that Chris Pratt. No, no. If it, if it was clearly yeah. bad, then that'd be that'd be that'd just be like a a, a bad sci-fi movie. <laughs> I, I, but I think this story, the one it's telling, is interesting. It's just like we're all saying is that it chooses not to get into it more, and that's right. That's I, what I do, that, yeah. I, I do think it's kind of damning to that. The Chris Pratt character is going to propose to Jennifer Lawrence without having told her. Yeah, uh, and he is ready to to marry her and spend the rest of their lives within this lie. And if if you want to have a more redeemable character, I I do think it it needs to be something other than him accidentally getting exposed as a liar. Yes, yeah, I, I would agree. Is, or or yeah, the movie agree. you know or or it goes down that road lets that situation play out without having her having to tell her and you just you like see the the grief wash over it becomes this like existential study of this character who just <laughs> like he he disintegrates over time because he just can't handle not telling her but he still chooses not to it becomes that sounds very so logically infuriating that sounds very depressing to me but that does <laughs> that'd be a very that's I mean, not a movie that i'd want to see it'd be a very that, interesting then I'd movie feel though. really cheated by the trailer it'd be very interesting though to watch that play out yeah <laughs> Once you wouldn't, sense, want, though, you, again, you wouldn't see that, that again. Really... Like you'd watch it the one time, but still. Yeah, I don't know if I'd watch it ever again. <laughs> but uh, again, I think that there's actually some pretty neat things you guys have mentioned. Some of the uh, the world building, which I didn't think was as strong, but I appreciated the elements of the ship, the way that they. It looks. It looks like the way that I think a, a ship in twenty whatever would look like, and how it would act. You know, basically autopilot, where everyone's in hypersleep, and the ship has a shield. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. That's pretty neat. So I appreciated those aspects of the sci-fi elements. I, I just love that sci-fi is always outdone by rock, paper, scissors. Like, that's all that seems to be the, the undoing <laughs> of science fiction. <laughs> that's what happens. Um, all right. I think we talked plenty about Passengers. Um, so with that said, when would you say people should go and see Passengers? That's how we kind of rate things on the on the podcast. So I was, when, when, should people, when would you say people should go and see Passengers? passengers like in theaters or at home or on netflix or what um i i would say that if you have any interest in seeing it uh despite uh this discussion we've had try to see it in theaters just because it is such a a beautiful looking movie um it it has a lot of practical sets and uh it plays very well on a big screen abe uh you know they 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 tried. They gave it some credit. It wasn't like a ter- terrible throwaway movie. So I'd say that it's uh, something you should rent. Uh, something that you wouldn't mind renting. I'd say. I'm uh, I'm with Silas. I I did like this movie. I had fun with it. I think if especially if you're not you know kind of predisposed to thinking a certain way because you've read all these think pieces or what have you. I think there's just a fun movie here to watch. I do think it doesn't it doesn't quite deliver on its possibilities, but I do think it. It's a it, you know it, it's a well made movie as far as the visuals are concerned or what have you. Um, you have a good kind of sci fi surrounding to wa- enjoy on a big screen, and you know seeing Pratt and Lawrence just be you know very charismatic and fun with each other that's enjoyable as well. So yeah, I'd say see it in the theater. All right, okay. So that was our review of Passengers. Uh, let's move on now. To, let's get to our sponsors real quick. Uh, today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Why Audible? It's a good thing you've asked, guys. Audible content <laughs> includes more than 180,000 audiobooks for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or any kind of MP3 device. Additionally, Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook download of your choice and a free 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com. Podcast. Choose a book to download for free and start listening. It's just that easy. 
Uh, you get to check out their service. If you don't like it, you get to get rid of it, but you get to keep that book that you download for free for free. So be a winner. And read. Or listen at audibletrial.com slash podcast. All right, let's get some feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. Quick feedback this week. Oh yeah, I uh, only asked. Only asked. asked to, I know everyone's busy. It's been a. It's been everyone's a busy. Everyone's busy. Uh, you know, doing it's been family a busy stuff. holiday weekend, obviously. Yeah. So I, I only asked a couple questions, or I asked one question, and I asked you guys to give us a question, and we got some answers from both. Um, so the question here is: uh, What movies did you watch this past weekend? And uh, we have a number of answers. First up, Jason writes: The Santa Claus Christmas Vacation and Santa Claus colon the movie because it was for free. <laughs> Manish writes: Arthur Christmas and Paddington, such wonderful holiday movies. Yeah, that is a good combo. Yeah, I like that. Uh, Chris writes, "Lady in the Van," "Saving Mr. Banks," uh, but he also he also added and uh, and dread, <laughs> very festive. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that that is a good movie. Underseen. It's, it's certainly one for the Christmas. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> Greg writes, "Black Christmas," "A Christmas Story," and "Gremlins." That's a solid trilogy right there. <laughs> I watched, I watched <laughs> uh, and Jay writes, "Arthur Christmas" and "Um Volcano." Sure. Why not? <laughs> so he watched Volcano. Yeah. All right. I'm really happy so many people are watching Arthur Christmas. I really like Arthur Christmas. And when it came out in theaters, it didn't do very well. It didn't do very well, yeah. yeah. I think it caught on over time, it seems. But that's there's a lot of Christmas movies that kind of bombed at the box office, but it went on to become, you know, Christmas classics. So, see if Arthur Christmas apparently catches on more. Let's see. I think that's yeah. streaming right now, isn't it? Like, uh, I believe just, it is. I think Arthur. If it's either on Amazon or uh, or Netflix. It's just streaming. Yeah. It was on Netflix at some point. I know that. I don't know if it's still yeah. on there. Uh, but anyway, Jay, uh, Jason asks us a question. He asks, "What films are you most excited to see in 2017?" Uh, I will say that we'll be covering it's this more in our 20. We'll be covering this more in our 2010 episode. But offhand, yeah. Um, what movies are we excited to see in 2017? Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, Spider Man Homecoming. Those two are pretty high up. Uh, War for the Planet of the Apes. I'll throw that out there. Again, oh, yeah. Uh, they have really good posters, by the way. <laughs> yeah. we, we actually have a, a, there's a, a feature running on Coming Soon Tomorrow that everybody on the site did their own list, and uh, War for the Planet of the Apes is the top of mind. I am nice. so excited nice. for that. Yeah. yeah. That See, that's like, you know, where Passengers doesn't explore things. War seems like that's a movie that will be like, you know, it'll be popcorn fun, but also it will explore those like deeper themes, and, like, and I'll be very satisfied by that. At least I hope so. Yeah, but but I wouldn't. Think I, I hope suddenly... so. I mean, they've been doing a pretty good job in the in the previous two. So. Yeah, so but I have no reason. I, that one. I love Matt Reeves. I, uh, I I think everything he's done has been exceptional. And uh, from talking with him, doing Dawn Upon the Apes, he has such a understanding of that franchise and and what it needs to be. Yeah, I I am also quite the. I am a big Cloverfield fan, and I liked his uh, Let the Right One In remake. Uh, well enough. So uh, yeah, and, uh, yeah, obviously that one was called something similar. Let me in. Yeah. Let me in. Yeah. yeah. And it was like uh, almost a shot for shot remake. It does a lot of very similar things. Yes. Um, yeah. And uh, Star Wars Episode Eight is what I'm looking forward to right there. Oh yeah, Ryan Johnson's yeah. directing. Yeah, Ryan Johnson yeah, sure. Star Wars is a movie that I cannot wait to see yeah. also. But that's but, seems uh, like a like given said, to me. Well, yeah, like what you said, we'll probably cover a lot more of yeah, what's coming up. When we get to our uh, top we'll ten episode, because yeah, because there's there's quite a lot of things, especially we didn't mention the Marvel universe, which I think we we kind of go without saying now, but yeah, everything. I mean, I'm looking forward to Thor Ragnarok. There's a lot of things. Yeah, same here. Ragnarok yeah. that I Taika wanna... Waititi's directing yeah. it. So. Yeah. But uh, yeah, when I generally I make my own list as well as far as most anticipated films, so I'll certainly I have yeah. I have to do some more research before I have a definitive answer. But there's quite a good correct. quite a good number of stuff coming out. Cars three, yeah. obviously. <laughs> um, so yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
with a really dark trailer. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, we'll get we'll get to all that. It's weird that the plot of uh, Cars Three is the same plot as Planes Two. Is that is that is that right? Yes, yeah, they, like, they like suffer accidents and then they have to like go back and uh, do something new to like, service. Yeah, yeah well, only so in, many things in, to do. In yeah. planes, it's like he just sort of gets over it and then decides to become a, a fire and rescue plane, which yeah. probably won't happen to Lightning McQueen. But maybe if, if, Light, if Lightning McQueen becomes a fire and rescue car, <laughs> I'd be thrilled yeah, by becomes, that. <laughs> or if he gets wings and starts flying, that'd be pretty amazing technology. They did that in Cars too, eh? Didn't like Finn McMissile, voiced by Michael Caine, obviously? Did yeah, he but have he wings? was a secret agent. He already had those wings in his car. Okay, well, I don't know why I'm making excuses for Cars 2. Well, you and I both do, liked it quite a bit. When we do our Home Alone Minute spinoff podcast, Cars Minute, we'll go. We'll get into that as well. <laughs> but, um, all right. Sounds great. Uh, let's see. I think we're going to – are we skipping games, Abe? Is that what we're doing? I think we're skipping. Yeah. Okay. I guess we're skipping games this week, guys. <laughs> Sorry. Because Abe said so. But we'll... Oh, no. I just wasn't sure if we had anything planned for it. Uh, but, not really. Uh, no, I know we, we, yeah. we, we've been going along, so we want to yes, get, get through things. So let's start – Let's uh, let's get to Out Now Presents What's Out Now. These are movies that are coming out on Blu-ray and DVD this week. Uh, first up, uh, Snowden, Oliver Stone's Edward Snowden movie. Oh, okay. I was like, is that the documentary or the movie? No. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the documentary is I Am Number or Citizen Four. Right? Citizen Four. Uh, it's I Am Number Four. Yeah. I Am Number Four. Right. <laughs> yeah. Alex, Pet- Alex Pettifer plays yeah. Edward Snowden. My brain slipped for a second. I caught myself. <laughs> There's a lot of special effects in this documentary. It's great. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Snowden. It's Snowden's not good. I need to get to that part. I, I did not like Snowden. <laughs> I just mentioned that. Right. Let's see what else. In a Valley of Violence. This is a Ty West western. Fitting. Interesting. I I wanted to like this more. I'm a big Ty West fan, and I think there's some good stuff in it. But I wasn't a wasn't a huge fan of In a Valley. Did Silas, did you see uh, In a Valley of Violence? No, I actually I just got a, a copy in the mail. Um, I, I have a small stack of things that arrived while I was away, and uh, it's it's in my to watch pile. There, again, there, I thought there was good stuff in it. I overall, I wasn't a huge fan of it, but I certainly I do like Ty West. I like seeing his style applied in a thing, things outside of horror. So that was a neat, like you know, diversion for for him. Um, let's see. Next up, American Honey. Uh, this is um, uh, that was that was actually getting a lot of early year praise, but I didn't. It was at it was at uh it was at the the can the Cannes Film Festival. Uh, uh-huh. And uh, it yeah it has a a newcomer actress and Shia LaBeouf. I do. I, I got to review this movie on Blu-ray. Actually, it's it's quite long. It's two hours and forty-five minutes, and it does not. That need is to be a long, long movie. It does not need to be that long. But what's the frustrating thing about this movie is seeing how good Shia LaBeouf can be, and it's like annoying that he's chosen to do so many odd things in his career because he's very good in this movie. Um, yeah, it's fine. It's not a movie that I really feel like I want to watch again. But it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a rental. Then it's a yeah. It's it's a rental. It's got. It's got its moments. Did you see this one, Silence? I didn't. It's another one that I have here. Yeah. I, I do really like It's the same woman that did uh, Fish Tank, right? Yes, uh, Andrea Andrea, and, uh, Andrea Arnold. Sorry, yeah. And she I, she directs in a weird way, which is um, actors don't know what's going to happen uh, in the script as they're acting. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, like, it's like improvised scenes with an objective, but they don't have, like, the whole layout of what's going to happen next, essentially. Yeah, so. Huh, interesting. But I, I have heard other people complain about it. It has sort of a daunting <laughs> runtime. Yes, it is. <laughs> Two hours and forty-five minutes is uh, it's quite a it's quite a bit if you start feeling it. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Next up, a man called Ove. 
Uh, this is. Um, I've heard of good things about that. That came yeah. out of like uh, Finland or something like that, right? Yes, it's a it's a Scandinavian film. It's going to be probably one of the uh, best foreign film contenders for sure. Oh, okay. Uh, let's see. When the bell breaks. This is the latest Screen Gems thriller <laughs> release <laughs> um, that I'm sure was well liked by the people that like those Screen Gem thrillers that come out every beginning of September. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Next up, The Dressmaker. This had a uh, Kate Winslet, which I heard mixed things on. Like I, at the beginning, I was hearing bad things, but then I started hearing really good things about it. So uh, I, don't, I don't know what to think anymore. You know, yeah, you gotta uh, you find out for yourself. You gotta watch well, it. I'll just assume this is the kind of movie that'll go to Netflix eventually, and I'll see it for myself and find out then. There you go. And uh, lastly, on Scream Factory this week, The House That Screamed, uh, 60s horror film. I believe it's Italian. And that's just a great horror movie title right there. The House That Screamed. Yeah, I was like, that's a really good title. I, I, yeah. I can watch. I can see that on a poster. That just looks great. The house that screams. Is, is yeah, it a house? <laughs> and it has like skeleton hands up to it, and it's screaming. Yeah, I can you mean like Home Alone. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the house, it's <laughs> but it's not Kevin McAllister's face. It's a house. The house is making a face. <laughs> it's like ah, I'm <laughs> We brought back Home Alone, which I didn't think was possible. <laughs> this time, it's the home itself that's left alone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no one's turning off the furnace. <laughs> Wait, is it the Wet Bandits again? Because that'd make the most sense, right? That's why the house is crying in the poster. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's that's out that's now. What's presented out now. Let's move on to Extremely Cool. These are things that are now on Netflix that I can point out. Uh, first thing, Captain America Civil War is on Netflix. Now. Yeah, that's been on there for a couple weeks now. Yeah, for, and uh, for if, <laughs> you haven't seen Civil War and you're like, what can I watch on Netflix streaming? There's, a, there's an option. That's uh, a good option. Also on? Troll Hunters, not the not, not the pseudo documentary the... Troll Hunters, but the yeah. the animated series created by Guillermo del Toro, Troll Hunters, which has a, a voice cast con- including uh, the late Anton Yelchin as the lead character, uh, Ron Perlman, and Kelsey Grammer among many others. Um, I Anna and I we watched the first episode. I enjoyed it quite a bit. It's certainly like a kid friendly oh. show, but like it, it's fun. Like I'm looking forward to. Checking out the season, which apparently is 26 episodes and is titled Part One. That's a so I don't full know, season. I don't know how long this season. It's Part One. Like there's, tw- there's what there's 26 more for Part Two. <laughs> I I watched a, a couple episodes um, to do an interview with uh, Mark Guggenheim, yeah. and it, it is I I liked it. It has like a, a Disney's Gargoyles feel to it. Yeah, yeah. Oh that's wow, a great way to, yeah, Gargoyles. Gargoyles that's a callback oh, right there. That's a that's a good show though because it like it it's like yeah. it's four kids, but it you know it's like it's adult. Like, it has, like, like a real story going on and what have you. Like, okay. like, uh, like Avatar. You know, well, The Last Air, but, like, you know, they, it's real. Oh, okay. Like, they, I was like, they, the they, movie? Because that movie yes, was the, terrible. Yeah, movie. You know, remember, remember the animated Avatar TV show <laughs> from James Cameron? <laughs> like, he had the Na'vi <laughs> traveling all over the place. It was great. The Na'vi, or, yeah, they're just looking for the lost uh, Na'vi in the, in the ice. Yeah. yeah, I got it. It's wonderful. Yeah, it's great. That makes sense. Uh, yeah. You're welcome, yeah, James but... Cameron, for your next idea. <laughs> That's extremely cool. Let's move on to next week's show. Next week we'll be talking. I think we're going to talk hidden figures. I think that's the. Uh, I know that that expands. Uh, I think that's wider. what we want to be talking about because uh, it expands wider. Yeah. yeah, but um, uh, if not, is... then we're going to be talking about Underworld uh, Blood Wars. I think that's a week after. So we'll obviously we'll have to table that one because of our top ten show, which is unfortunate, <laughs> obviously. Uh, but no, hidden figures yeah. might be the plan. Maybe we'll talk about fences, Abe. Um, I know that expanded right. wider. We'll see. And we we'll might see do what... some more catch up on uh, thing, things that we might have missed uh, during this season. Yeah, it's a it's a busy time. <laughs> a lot of things coming yes, out. Yes. Um. So okay. So that's that. Uh, last thing we do here, uh, Silas. What should people go and see now, and what do you plan to see next? 
What should people see in theaters right now, Silas? Uh, I, I mean, I would. I mentioned earlier, but Patterson comes out the twenty eighth. If it's playing near you, like try to see it. As far as next, I, I'm really embarrassed that I haven't seen Silence yet, and that's probably tomorrow or the next day. Um, my goal. All right, Abe. Nice. What should people go and see in theaters right now? Uh, if you haven't seen Rogue One, then obviously go see Rogue One. But uh, I definitely recommend the smaller movies that we just talked about on this episode: um, La La Land, Manchester by the Sea, and Jackie. Uh, and next, uh, I'm not really sure. I, I still am playing catch up with some of the things that came out this past year. So uh, I definitely still want to see Hunt for the World of People and uh, Captain Fantastic. So I might catch those uh, Captain on rental. Fantastic, by the way. I was I, I, I had heard very little about it, and I caught it on Blu-ray and was really like moved by it. Um, oh, okay, that's good. I like it quite a bit. Yeah. If I if I don't tear up once in it, I'm gonna blame you, Silas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Hunt for the I, I, how have you not seen that by now, Abe? I mean, that's that's that's. Wonderful. I know. I feel bad. Like people have been praising that for quite a bit, and I love Taika Waititi. I loved Boy, and uh, I loved uh, what we do in the shadows. So I, I feel bad that I haven't been keeping up with this filmography. Yeah, well, that yeah, Hunt for the that's that's one to check out for sure. What am I saying? Oh, uh, what should people see? I yeah, Rogue One. That's you know that's fun. La La Land is uh, certainly out there to see. Uh, fences, I would recommend as well. And uh, if you can find hidden figures, I know it's in some theaters. I, that's certainly one that I recommend too, especially because you can keep up with next week's show that way. <laughs> as far as what I'm seeing next, I'm not quite sure. I might go. I might see Sing because I'm a glutton for punishment when it comes to Illumination Entertainment. Apparently, <laughs> uh, but... I, I will say it's the only Illumination Entertainment movie that I've ever enjoyed. To I, I didn't. I don't think it's amazing, um, but okay. I. I sort of thought, oh, that's that's all right. Okay, that, that's <laughs> that's a that's a good enough record. Yeah, but I think Anna and I and my mom might go see Sing. Um, but there's also my, my um, mom's gonna be corner. Yeah, my mom's gonna be corner to Sing. There's also the Ben Affleck film Live by Night that's getting terrible reviews that I might catch up on. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's also a Tony, Tony Erdman, the German comedy that I know has been getting a lot of praise. That one uh, I know it's playing in select theaters as well, so I might try to catch up on that one as well. Um, okay. So yeah, things are out there, but yeah, I've seen like everything at this point besides those things I just mentioned. So I'm pretty caught yeah. up. Besides, and, you well, know, you on, haven't on, seen the documentary on... Chickens. <laughs> what, what was it? What was that one called? Chicken. Oh, uh, Chicken People. Chicken People. Oh, Chicken People. Right. My yeah. bad. It's neat. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I have like Facebook open. And it has like the alien sponsored post on, so I keep seeing the backburster like every ten seconds when I turn back to the page again. <laughs> so it's like okay. <laughs> it's on loop. Well, yeah, because I keep like I keep like refreshing on my other tabs. Oh, like, okay. So like whenever every time I go back to Facebook, it's like oh, there's the backburster. It's it's like one of the first things you see in that trailer. <laughs> I love that the backburster. Well, about that sequence too? It's like the guy is shaking, and it's like what yeah. is going on here? It's like the the Darth Maul's lightsaber of the Alien franchise. <laughs> yes, the, the worst possible way. <laughs> In the worst possible. Yeah. All right. Well, with all that said, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Now There and an Abe. You can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodeazit.com. You can find all my written movie reviews over there, as well as on com. You can find me writing daily at Screen Rant, as well on as on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? You can find more fun stuff over at uh, Instagram, Oakley Doakley, and Twitter.com slash Walrus News. Hashtag, uh, <laughs> hashtag. There you go. Hashtag had good one. Yeah, solid. Couldn't think of a couldn't think of a, a quick one. Silas Lesnick, where can people find more of your work online? Uh, comingsoon.net and superhero hype, and then uh, I'm I'm also on Twitter and Instagram with just my name, Silas Lesnick. Great. 
Uh, you can find all the other episodes about Now with Aaron and Abe over on iTunes as well as on Audioboom. You can also listen to our old episodes over at HHWLOD, SoundCloud, and also Podomatic. Feel free to email us your thoughts on anything that we've discussed today over at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Right on our wall at facebook.com slash outnowpodcast, or you can tweet at us at twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. And, of course, there's our Tumblr page where you can give us all the holiday gifts that you've been wanting to send us over at outnowpodcast.tumblr.com. <laughs> so with all that in mind... I don't mind, even know how to use that part, but okay. <laughs> with all that in mind, Silas, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, thanks for having Yeah, It was really fun. Good, for sure. Awesome. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad. Happy to get you back on at some point. We'll see what else we can uh, yeah. talk about in the future. Plenty of movies coming out in 2017. Um, but yeah, that's uh, going to do it for this week's episode, which is the final episode of 2016 for this show, final, apparently. Final. Yeah, so <laughs> until the new year, 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 that's going to do it. So, until then, <laughs> so long. And goodbye. I am a passenger. Yeah, you, you missed the rain, Cyrus. So you got a, you got pretty rain. It was where was I? I was at um, oh, Anna and I we saw we saw Rogue One again up on on uh, on Friday at the uh-huh. uh, at Century City or not Century at um Universal City at the City Walk, and uh, oh nice. When we came out, it was like ten thirty when we got out of there, and uh, it was pouring outside. <laughs> it was like and we had our jet. Uh, unexpected. We had, we had well, it was already kind of dripping, but like I expected, oh, yeah. I expected it to clear up by the time we were gone, and no, it just <laughs> it just got heavier. So we like we were like running under like we had jackets, but we were like running under all the awnings and stuff to get where we uh get back to the car and everything. Let's do. So you like, guys were you guys were recreating a romantic comedy. Oh yeah, that's yeah. We were laughing, <laughs> and we were splashing around, and the, the, uh, the yeah the jackets over your heads and it's yeah. running, and then you guys embraced and kissed under the lamppost. We that's stopped really nice. looking to a reflection that it was Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone, and they winked back. It was. <laughs> you guys did a dance number. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> You didn't have you didn't have time to kick uh, dirt on her shoes though it would have been mud. Yeah, it would have been mud. But Michael Shannon was there. He's lip syncing. It was it was just incredible. It was that's wild stuff. Weird wild stuff. My, that's what it was. But, uh, Michael Shannon lip syncing would be a great thing to see. You, have you seen Michael Shannon's lip? He has like a lip sync battle entry. 
Oh, does he? It's I didn't fantastic. know that. I will send you yeah, this I, I wasn't it's, sure what you were referencing. I thought you were referencing you know, yeah, one of yeah, his on, movies. On, on LL Cool J host lip sync battle, Michael Shannon has one, and he's, and he's terrific. Like, it's, it's amazing. That's such a I, – I would never have guessed that he would do that show. Given the things I've seen Michael Shannon do this year, it's very I, – I'm, I'm, I'm never surprised at this point by what he comes up with.